Welcome to Explore the OT Field podcast. I am your host, Nicole Smith. Today we're going to explore the OT field by learning about the fieldwork setting of pediatric outpatient clinic from Anna, a third year OTD student who did her fieldwork level 2B at a pediatric outpatient clinic. Throughout her time in OT school, she has always been interested in working with adults, but the more she learned in school, the more areas of OT she became interested in. In terms of fieldwork, she has had two 12-week placements. Her first one was in acute care at a large hospital, and her second one was at a pediatric outpatient clinic, which we will hear about today. Her leisure interests include spending time with friends and family, going to coffee shops, enjoying nature, and reading. Welcome to the podcast, Anna. How are you feeling? Thank you, Nicole. I'm excited to be here, excited to be able to talk about fieldwork and hopefully help others that are starting OT school or are about to be going into fieldwork. I am excited too. I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited mostly. Um, so to start off our interview, um, what first brought you to occupational therapy? Well, I first heard about occupational therapy when my dad gave me this big book of um, book of majors, the college board one, and I looked through the table of contents and I just began crossing things out, crossing the careers that I didn't think would be for me, and um, and then last was occupational therapy, and I'd never heard of it before, <sighs> and so when I read the page about it, um, it sounded like something that I'd really be interested in, and so I started shadowing at um, a school school setting and it was really interesting and then I realized there were a lot of different areas of OT and so I just stuck with it ever since and kept shadowing and getting more experience and all of that and the more I found out about it the more I was excited about it and I guess it's been a long time now since I found out about it in 2014. Oh okay that's awesome that's a that's a different way of learning about it for sure I mean I I learned about it too when I was um, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Similar way, crossing things out. So thank you, Dad. Um, as yes. I mentioned, <laughs> right? Thank you, Dad. Um, yes. And as I mentioned uh, in the little introduction, you were initially interested in working with adults. Um, so how did you feel when you were placed in a pediatric outpatient clinic? Well, I was excited. I was looking forward to it because I had worked in a school setting before with children and I knew that I had really enjoyed that. So this was just going to be a different type of setting because it wouldn't be academic. It would just be the outpatient therapy setting. Um, but yeah, I was looking forward to it. And I feel like my professor in school had prepared us well about um, teaching us interventions. And I feel like we had a really well-rounded a um, couple of semesters in pediatrics and so I was looking forward to going into it and I, I did feel more confident for that rotation than I did for acute care so I think that was a welcome change for me um, but yeah I guess I was going into it wondering if it would convince me to turn towards pediatrics instead of adults so yeah, yeah I guess I just went with an open mind. Oh that's cool. Uh, so could you explain to us uh... Um, can you explain to us the placement setting uh, or the clinic 
more in detail. Yes. What What about the clinic specifically? Would you like to know? Um, just in general, what kind of uh, population? Well, they had pediatric, but was there any certain like primary conditions or was it everything? Mm -hmm. So for the most part, I had a lot of kids that had been diagnosed with autism, a couple that had been diagnosed with Down syndrome. And then we also did reflex assessments there at the clinic. And so um, I guess that would be considered disorders of the nervous system and some that had developmental delays. Um, so those were those were the diagnoses that I saw most often. But to be honest, we I didn't really focus too much on the diagnoses. Whenever I looked through the chart, I would focus more on the areas that they were finding more challenging or reading through their goals and reading through what the previous therapists had written that they did in their treatment sessions and how the children had been progressing through through their time in therapy. So um, because every child is different, you know, even if they have the same diagnosis as another child, it still presents in a different way and they still have different interests and different things that their parents and the child themselves want to be able to do and want us to focus on in therapy. So um, yeah, even though we had the diagnosis, there were a lot of other a lot of other factors that I took into consideration as well when, when working with them. Mm -hmm. That is so true. And uh, thank you for sharing that. I really like that you brought up that aspect of it. And now I almost feel a little bad for asking about primary conditions. <laughs> but um, no, yeah. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, you definitely explained it uh, really well. Um, so when you were not, you knew that you were going to go into an uh, pediatric outpatient clinic. How did you prepare before starting your rotation? Well, before I started my rotation, I emailed the clinic. I didn't know who was going to be my mentor at the time, but um, later on, they whoever was going to be my mentor did tell me to look over the Peabody assessment and the Beery VMI assessment. And um, I spoke with my professors and I was able to have access to those to look over before I started my fieldwork. And so I think that was helpful. I also was told to look over the developmental milestones, so I looked over those briefly. And then since this was my second rotation, I had had friends that had already done their pediatric rotation the semester before I had. And so mm -hmm. I talked with them and got their ideas about what they did for treatment and just um, suggestions that they had for me. And one last thing as well. Um, when I was early on in my rotation, I met an OT assistant through just a family friend's birthday party, and she worked in the school system. And mm -hmm. she was very helpful to me in the beginning as well when I was still trying to figure out what to do for treatments and um, just trying to still get comfortable in that setting. And she provided me with a lot of ideas and a lot of support as well. So I guess just um, asking around, you know, there's a lot of people mm -hmm. that are out there willing to help. So just um, asking questions and talking to people that have been through that before or have had experience in that setting before. So um, hopefully you all have people like that in your lives because they were very helpful for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that was cool. You just got to meet someone through a family gathering. That could yes. help you. Yeah, that's awesome. I was wondering, how did a typical day look like um, during the first few weeks of your field work? So the clinic technically opened at 730, which is when the first... Um, the first children would show up, but I would get there about 20 minutes before so that I could just prepare and settle in. And so the first few weeks, I would just observe sessions, either my mentors or if she didn't have a child at that time, then I would go with another therapist, an OT or an OT assistant. 
And um, then since they did reflex integration at that clinic, I would take notes and ask questions while they were doing their sessions and they would teach me how to do that. And if I saw interventions that I liked that I had observed, then I would just take a few notes down. And then in my free time, I would also look around the clinic and go into all the rooms and all the drawers, trying to familiarize myself with all of the equipment that they had because they had so many games and toys and um, things to use. So I wanted to take note of that as well for when I was planning my treatment sessions because I didn't just want to use the same things over and over again. So I guess I just tried to take everything in the first few weeks that I was there. Mm-hmm. So at what time would you say that you were getting more of your own caseload and you were comfortable doing your own assessments and treatments? So my second week is when I started to do a couple of treatments that week. And then by my third and fourth week, I started to take on a lot more, um, nearly the entire caseload. But in terms of feeling comfortable, I think it depended on what it was because I started off doing treatments first and writing the notes for that as well. And so I feel like I I got pretty good at that because you have so many treatments in a day. Like I would see minimum around five kids a day or maximum around eight kids a day between Mm -hmm. the ages of two and 11, I would say. But that depends. They had children that were older and younger there as well. But um, then later on in the semester, I had to be talking to the parents more and I would start doing evaluations. And so... I think it just depended. There were a lot of different areas. So in some, I would start to feel comfortable, but then I would have to start working on a different thing and start refining my Mm -hmm. skills in a different way. And Mm -hmm. so I I feel like it was um, a constant, just constantly learning new things. So I, Mm -hmm. by the end, I think I was starting to get comfortable, but (laughs) I think it took a while because there are so many new things happening all the time and you might get a a new child to work with one day too. So it wasn't ever the same every day so I think it always Mm -hmm. just kind of kept you on your toes a little bit which can be good as well yeah Um, for sure but yeah I definitely learned a lot (laughs) that's awesome um so now let's talk about uh, applying what you learned in school uh, in preparation for entering into the OT field and your field work um in the practice setting of pediatric outpatient clinic would you say that you applied a specific model or frame of reference? You know, how we learned all of those in school? Yes. <laughs> uh, the first one that comes to mind is a sensory integration frame of reference because that's something that we did address a lot and we use swings a lot and um, heavy work and things like that. And mm-hmm. so that's the one that comes to mind the most. And I'm sure that there were more than that, but it wasn't something that um, that I thought about too often, if I'm honest and, or talk to my mentor about, but looking back, that probably would be an area of growth that something that I would want to work on. But for now, I'll just say sensory integration. (laughs) That's a good one. Um, and what (laughs) types of assessment did you perform? I know you already mentioned that they asked you to, uh, familiarize yourself with the Peabody. Um, Mm -hmm. is that the one that was primarily performed or was there other ones tell us about it yes that's the one that I use the most often and we would do the grasping and the visual motor integration section because we had 
a physical therapist as well and so I believe she would do one of the other sections during her evaluation so um that's the one that I use most often but I and I actually didn't end up doing the beery while I was there but I did do the bot um once or twice while I was there so but overall the Peabody is the one that I think was the most appropriate for most of the kids that I saw while I was there um, and I was able to observe my mentor doing a screening for one of the speech therapist patients. And mm-hmm. I learned from her, you know, how to talk to the parent about what she had observed and what her recommendations were. So even though that wasn't an assessment, I feel like that was still a, a valuable thing because we worked closely with the other therapists and it's something mm-hmm. that I hadn't thought about before. So yeah, that was very interesting. Yeah, that sounds interesting. And, um, what types of interventions did you perform? And similar question here, were there one one that was uh, performed more frequently than others? So one of the interventions that I, that I liked the most that I did was using a social story. That's something that we had learned in school and I was hoping I'd be able to use it, but um, mm-hmm. I hadn't. I hadn't found a good opportunity to do that until close to the end whenever I had a patient that his mom had been sharing with me about how it was difficult for him to make new friends at school and just those social interactions, you know, and wanting to keep more to himself. And But he was a pretty social child with me and I feel like we had a good relationship and so I used a social story that I found that was about playing with friends and asking others to play and things like that. And so we used stuffed animals to pretend. So we would mm-hmm. read the questions that the kids were asking each other in the social story. And then we would pretend with the stuffed animals. Mm-hmm. And he really enjoyed that. And then the next time we had, we ended up having a co-treat with a speech therapist and the the patient that she had at the same time. And so we were able to um, have co-treats together a couple of times and for both of them to work on their social skills and the other goals that they had but it was fun to be able to see him practice that in real life and then hear from his mm-hmm. mom later on of how he was improving in school so that was my one of my favorite ones that I can think of mm-hmm. um, but in terms of other interventions well we worked on pre-writing skills and strokes and hand strength and pre-scissor skills, bilateral coordination, upper body strength and balance, body awareness, emotional regulation. There's a lot of things that we worked on. (laughs) And so for a lot of those, it's just like we have a lot of games that we would use or Mm -hmm. um, I would do tracing and shaving cream or sensory sand and trying to do something fun like that to do the pre-writing strokes. Um, mm-hmm. And then I ended up using stickers a lot because of the pincer grasp that you can get with that. And then we oh, would yeah. make lines to connect them because I learned that from my mentor and I really liked that idea. So I wrote it down. <laughs> yeah. And um, for hand strength, I liked using spray bottles or we had a tennis ball that had a, a little slit in it. And so mm-hmm. we would pretend to feed it pom-poms or <laughs> um, go retrieve things and put mm-hmm. it in its mouth. So... Um, they really liked that. And then we had these fastener, these bean bags with fasteners on them that I really liked to use because a lot of them had ADL goals. And so mm-hmm. the bean bags had clips or snaps or buttons or things like that. And so I would hide things inside the bean bags and then they would um, work on opening all those fasteners. So those are the, the ones that I can think of. Oh, and making crafts as well, just cutting. We would make spiders or mm-hmm. caterpillars or things like that. So they would practice drawing their shapes and then cutting them out and gluing them together using both hands to glue. So 
Um, they're working on a lot of different skills through the craft. So um, it looks simple from the outside, but I learned a lot of like how many things that you can work on just doing one craft activity like that, for example. And um, we used peanut balls a lot and scooter boards and the BOSU balls. And we did a lot of obstacle courses as well. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> a whole lot of different things. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, uh, I love games. I love games playing with my friends, um, with my son at work. Um, was there any specific games oh. that you use more than others or it was all of them? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like I haven't thought about that in a while since I finished. <laughs> um, hmm. We would play this big word search game with different um it had different categories so we used that for visual scanning and then for handwriting as well so whatever word they would find they had to we would write it down as well and practice that um oh, okay. so we used that quite a bit and then just um some other ones that had tongs in it like I think there's one called Picky Kitty that we used a lot. And then mm -hmm. Sophie's Seashell Scramble, I think is what it was called. So mm -hmm. I liked using those so that they could practice their their tongue work. Oh, okay. Cool. Knowing what you know now and thinking back to when you were about to start your field work, what would you tell yourself? Um, something that I would tell myself is since I ended up doing quite a few co-treatments with speech therapists, that wasn't something that I was expecting or had thought about before. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I would go into these co-treats, but I wasn't really sure what my role was supposed to be in that. And so mm -hmm. that's something that I wish I had asked more about earlier on about what, what I could do and what was expected of me and kind of just how to have, um, a good team relationship with the speech therapist because I mm -hmm. felt like for a while maybe I was too passive in those sessions mm -hmm. and so I feel like I could be doing a little bit more but I don't think that I had gotten the chance to observe too many before I went in to do my own co-treat so that's mm -hmm. something that I wish that I had asked a bit earlier on because it was near the end when when I felt like I was asking the speech therapist like what what can I do to help you or like <laughs> what what um do OTs usually do in this role so yeah um, that's definitely something that I would go back and change but another thing I would tell myself to have a better work-life balance honestly because I mm -hmm. think that I sometimes I would work through my breaks or through my lunch just because I didn't want to get behind or I wanted mm -hmm. to get ahead or catch up or whatever and so mm -hmm. I don't know I feel like I The breaks were there for a reason and I didn't end up taking them as often as I should. And, But I think that's just my personality too, that I just felt like I needed to be on top of things all the time and didn't want mm -hmm. to let anything slide, which is good. But I think I maybe took it a little too far. And so I would want to carve out more time for rest, I think, during my field work, if that's yeah. possible. <laughs> right, if But, it's possible. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely yeah. a good reminder to... Set some time aside and take a moment and breathe. Would you have prepared uh, differently? Yeah, in school we learned about grading activities up or down. So if it seems to be too challenging for the child that you're working with, then how to make it a little bit easier. Or if they seem to be doing it 
very easily, then how can you make it a little bit harder for them? Mm -hmm. And so I think most of the time I would plan the treatment session and I would just stick with my idea. But then Mm -hmm. my mentor kind of challenged me to, um, to take it to the next level. You know, if they were, Mm -hmm. if they were having a, if they're doing it really easily, she would ask me, how can you make this a little bit more difficult for this patient? And so Mm -hmm. that's something that I feel like I, I could have done more of and maybe, Mm -hmm. um, prepared a little more whenever I was planning my treatment so just think ahead a little bit so that I could have been prepared to see to be able to respond in a way that was appropriate instead of just sticking with my initial idea mm-hmm. that, that's a good reflection um, to think about that and good for future fieldwork students as well to hear that because sometimes <laughs> we do forget yeah. about you know not the little things we learn in school but the things we learn in school and it's it's a good reminder for sure. I know you already mentioned uh, work-life balance. Piggyback off mm-hmm. of that. What did you find most helpful to be more successful or comfortable as a fieldwork student? Well, one of the, like I said earlier, my one of my friends that had already done her pediatric rotation before me, she gave me the idea of making an evaluation template form. And I'm pretty sure some clinics probably already have one of those available. But my friend gave me hers as an example, and so I was able to edit it a little bit so that it would better fit the needs of the clinic that I was at. And so that helped keep me organized and prepare um, prepare for the evaluations that I was going to have. So that's something that, that helped me when I started doing those. And then as well as for treatment planning, I made a matrix or kind of like a table. And so I would put the initials of, so I'd put the day and the initials of the child that I was going to see and the time and then just like write a few bullet points for what I wanted to do and so Mm -hmm. I would plan for the whole week and that's something that helped me I think be more successful and um, another thing was something that I wasn't expecting that was difficult for me was handling some of the more difficult behaviors Mm -hmm. I didn't I feel like I didn't know what the right strategies would be or that um, I don't know, like it's not my job to discipline a child, you know, mm-hmm. but you still need to get things done in the therapy session. So how do you do that in a way that um, is therapeutic and you're not out of line, you know? And mm-hmm. I guess I always feared that I'd be coming off as too mean or too stern and I wanted them to see me as fun, but I also didn't want them to walk all over me. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I that was something that was difficult for me. So I think something that would help me to would have helped me to be more successful would be to ask about those strategies earlier on and different things ended up working for different kids Mm -hmm. so um but yeah I guess just familiarizing myself with that more and asking about what the kids interests are their favorite toys and activities um Mm -hmm. also I feel helped me to be more successful with them because Mm -hmm. I knew what they would be interested in and so I was able to have them be more engaged Um, Mm -hmm. And another thing that helped me to be successful was my mentor offered to help me kind of role play evaluations as well, Mm -hmm. or even just like conversations with parents if I needed to bring something up. So I found that to be super helpful, too, because um, it's just hard, you know, finding your wording whenever you're doing something new and Mm -hmm. it can be good to just practice with someone. So I feel like that that helped me feel more comfortable going into situations like that where I was going to have to have these conversations and be the professional in the room, you know, Mm -hmm. but it just felt like so, so weird to be the one doing that now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you just took us into my next question, which is what feedback did you find most helpful from your mentor? Yeah, so I have a couple of things that were helpful to hear from my mentors. So one would be to give the kids choices because I'm very much a planner. And so I really wanted to go in with my plan and everything. But she told me I needed to be more flexible. And Mm -hmm. I learned from her too, whenever the child, whenever they came back into the clinic from the waiting room, she would let them choose the first room that we go to and the first thing that we play with. Mm -hmm. And um, so we would do brushing or something and just talk a little bit, you know, while well, we did that. And then after that, we would transition into the next thing. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that made the sessions go smoothly in the beginning and um, just set the stage up, you know, for a good session. Yeah. Um, So another thing that she that I learned a lot from her was to be more fun and energetic, because I think I tend to be too shy at first whenever (laughs) I guess I was trying to do a lot, you know, it was a new setting and everything. So mm-hmm. I was kind of nervous and trying to think of all the things that I need to do and their goals and mm-hmm. all of that. And mm-hmm. also, I think it's just, it feels kind of embarrassing to be silly sometimes. And <laughs> I guess it's not often that I do that. But with mm-hmm. children, you just have to be fun and energetic. And so she would be so dramatic and like, you know, react in these big ways to the things that the kids would do and would say. And so it was hard for me at first because I'm like, there's other people around and they're going to be watching me. (laughs) But but I guess just seeing everyone else be like that and try to, you know, be kids themselves in a way. That's something that um, was good feedback when she told me (laughs) to just loosen up a little bit and like give big reactions to things. So Mm -hmm. uh, and then I got more comfortable with it as it went on. But yeah, yeah, I think another thing which wasn't feedback necessarily but I guess looking back I never actually felt ready to do some things because they felt kind of challenging so my CI I think Mm -hmm. was good about kind of pushing me a little bit in ways that helped me grow and um, like leading the evaluation you know like I (laughs) I was too nervous to to mm-hmm. step up, I think, and, and say, I'm ready to lead the next one, you know? But mm-hmm. I think once I did it, it, I felt good about the work that I did there, you know, and what I was able to accomplish. So, yeah, I guess it's good to have a little push, but, like, still have support at the same mm-hmm. time. That's great. Those are some definitely some helpful things to, to learn about. Um, so I know you... You said in the beginning of uh, your field work, you were curious if if the pediatric would turn you away from adults, suck you in. Um, so after finishing this <laughs> rotation, are you still leaning towards working with adults? I think I am. <laughs> Even though it was a fun experience, I'm leaving the door open for pediatrics in the future. But I think in the near future, you know, thinking about graduation and all that, I think I'd want to go for a more general setting and mm-hmm. more of a rehabilitation setting with adults and become proficient in that first before mm-hmm. jumping into a specialized setting like pediatrics. So, um, so yeah, I think I, I think I might stick with adults for now, but it was <laughs> fun while, while it lasted with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think you already touched on what was most challenging, but I'll ask you anyway. Uh, what was the yeah. most challenging and the most rewarding in doing your field work in a pediatric outpatient clinic? So most challenging, I realized that I doubted myself a lot. And 
when I had a difficult session with a patient, um, like if they had a behavioral, like behavioral difficulties or emotional outbursts or something like that, or it didn't go the way that I had planned, I had a really hard time coming back from that and starting the next session with a clean slate because the whole time leading up to the next session with them, I would just be worrying, you know, that the same thing would happen again and that I wouldn't be able to handle it well or, you know, just anticipating the worst. And so it took a lot of effort to train my brain to think differently, I guess, and to mm-hmm. um, to know that just because I went kind of poorly one session doesn't mean that all the rest of the sessions with this child are going to go that way. And that when they do go well, I need to acknowledge that and not minimize that because um and try to remember that you know because I think I tended to to make those difficult situations bigger in my mind than than they should have been and Mm -hmm. um and I guess just to accept the praise that my mentor did give me whenever I did do a good job or something went well and Mm -hmm. um yeah so that was one thing that was challenging but I feel like by the end of it I got better And um, another thing that I found challenging at first was when I would do the evaluations and doing the parent interviews, I I feel like I was a bit too scripted and awkward at the beginning because I wanted to stick to my template. So Mm -hmm. it took a while for me to be able to learn how to listen better and go off of what the parents were sharing at first Mm -hmm. instead of going in in with my agenda. And Mm -hmm. then if there was something that we hadn't touched on, then just to circle back to that at the end if we hadn't covered it so um mm-hmm. but yeah I feel like I did better with that by the end but yeah just so many new things you know new mm-hmm. setting and it can feel challenging but but it's it's good to come out on the other side and mm-hmm. look back and see everything that you're able to do and um, how you grew and what you accomplished and all mm-hmm. of that so what was most rewarding then most rewarding I think was developing good relationships with some of the kids and seeing how like how excited they would get when I would go out to get them from the waiting room and talking to the parents as well before and after the sessions I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed more than I thought I would Mm -hmm. um, because some of them would ask me like hey can you focus on this or or I would ask them how things were going and you know how the child had been doing at home with this or that Mm -hmm. and I guess just seeing how what we do matters and how it Mm -hmm. helps them at school or at home to be more successful um I feel like that was really rewarding Mm -hmm. yeah that does sound very rewarding I'm sitting here smiling listening to it (laughs) (laughs) if someone told you that they were placed in a similar fieldwork setting as you were what would you tell them I would tell them to go all in and that you never know if you're going to like something until you try it. Because mm-hmm. I remember when I had shadowed pediatrics before or other settings, I thought that I understood the setting, but I guess shadowing only teaches you so much. And so when mm-hmm. you're actually doing it, planning the treatments and working with the kids and talking to the parents yourself, then I feel like that's the only way that you can find out whether you can see yourself in that setting or not. So Mm -hmm. um, I would say just go for it and learn as much as you can. And if you don't like it, that's okay. You can try something different later on. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like it's best to be hands-on, at least for a little bit, and see see how you do and what you think Mm -hmm. and if you want to stick around or not. I like that. Thank you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So my last question... One of the last questions. There's two. <laughs> last question. What does the future hold for you? 
And my, well, right now I'm doing my capstone because I'm doing the Doctor of Occupational Therapy program and I'm doing research right now at a hospital. And then in May, I'll graduate and mm-hmm. then I'll start studying for the MBCOT mm-hmm. and then hopefully have a job by the summer or early fall. And mm-hmm. I think I'm thinking of inpatient rehabilitation, but also okay. keeping the door open for acute care at this point because that's where my other rotation was so mm-hmm. yeah that's the plan hopefully it'll go that way and if not it's okay we'll <laughs> um, go with it <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a good plan to me um thank you so much for being the first guest on the podcast how do you my feel pleasure. Now? thank you for having me <laughs> i feel good <laughs> you feel good um yeah i enjoyed talking about it and hearing your questions and everything and mm-hmm. I'm excited to hear the rest of the episodes that you have coming up. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it, it has been a real pleasure talking to you today. And I really enjoy listening to and learning from your experience. And I hope the listeners um, have as well, or will, I suppose, from now. Well, thank you again for being on the podcast. And thank you for letting us explore the OT fieldwork with you today. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Anna.